This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. A smart sponge that may be the key to cleaning up oil spills. How to mentally prepare as your town reopens. DIY instructions for making your own beehive bed. And the blossoming audience members that attended Monday night's performance at the Barcelona Opera House. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. A team of scientists from Northwestern University might be able to help the planet in a big way with their new smart sponge. Quoting Forbes, With an ability to absorb more than 30 times its weight in oil, the sponge could be used inexpensively and efficiently clean up spills without harming marine life. After squeezing the oil out of the sponge, it can be reused many dozens of times without losing its effectiveness. The secret lies in a nanocomposite coating of magnetic nanostructures in a carbon-based substrate that is oleophilic, or attracts oil, hydrophobic, or resists water, and magnetic, all abbreviated as OHM. The nanocomposite's nanoporous three-dimensional structure selectively interacts with and binds to the oil molecules, capturing and storing the oil until it's squeezed out. End quote. We mostly hear about large-scale oil spills in the news, but Professor Vinayak Dravid, who led the research, told Forbes that smaller spills happen all the time. And not that this is a small spill, but just three weeks ago, a power plant in Russia accidentally leaked 6 million gallons of diesel fuel into the Ambernaya River, which flows into the Arctic Ocean, causing Russia to declare a state of emergency. Greenpeace estimates it will be 10 years before biodiversity returns to normal there. And as long as we rely on fossil fuels, spills like these will continue to happen, threatening wildlife and the environment, but also humans and the economy. That Russian oil spill is estimated to have caused $1.4 billion of damage to the water. Quoting again, Currently used solutions include burning the oil, using chemical dispersants to break down oil into very small droplets, skimming oil floating on the top of water and or absorbing it with expensive, unrecyclable sorbents. Each of those approaches has its own drawbacks, and none of them are sustainable solutions. Burning increases carbon emissions and dispersants are extremely harmful for marine wildlife. Skimmers are ineffective in rough waters or with thin layers of oil. And sorbents are not only expensive, but they generate a huge amount of physical waste. End quote. The key feature of this new OHM smart sponge is that it can selectively soak up oil while leaving clean water and marine life alone. And not only can it absorb up to 30 times its weight in oil, but it's also reusable. The Northwestern team is now working on a version of their OHM sponge that could selectively absorb, quote, excess dissolved nutrients such as phosphates from fertilizer runoff and agricultural pollution, end quote. 
and any of those phosphates and the oil can be recovered from the sponge after being absorbed. Quoting Forbes, the oil returned from the spill cleanup can be sold back to whoever is responsible for the spill, and, as an added bonus, once the OHM slurry has eventually lost its oil-soaking properties, it has a second life as an anode for lithium-ion batteries. Our dream and ambition is that after the oil recovery, instead of throwing away that sponge, we actually control burn it and use that soot as an electrode for lithium-ion batteries. And it actually does much better than the current graphitic anodes, Dravid said. The sponge is relatively cheap to produce, so the team is hopeful about scalability and is currently talking to investors. And hopefully they bite, because this sounds like it could be a serious game-changer. So as relieved or excited as you may be that businesses are reopening and some parts of life are resuming, one thing that I've been hearing from people and experiencing a bit myself is a kind of surprising realization that going back to, quote, normal life is more nerve-wracking than expected. Getting used to being around people again, especially now that the concept of being near people is frightening due to risk of transmission— Remembering how to interact with people in person after months of mostly interacting via video calls. Maybe even just getting used to being out of your house or further than a few blocks from it. If you are feeling anxious about resuming some parts of life, Sharon Salzberg, an author and mindfulness expert, shared some tips with Lifehacker. First, remind yourself to breathe. If you're tensing up in certain new situations or feel your heart racing, just take a few breaths. It's one of the easiest and most effective things you can do to calm yourself, no matter where you are. Next, reflect on your core values and core sense of self. We've all experienced some form of loss, even if not the loss of a friend or loved one, the loss of the life we thought we'd be living in 2020. So taking time to remember what's important to you can help you focus on the bigger picture beyond this moment. Salzburg has observed that generally the phases people went through during the lockdown were anxiety, followed by sorrow, then grief, and at this point, exhaustion. As we may be returning to work or resuming other activities, now we need energy. She recommends taking time to consider what are the things that you can do that restore your energy and motivation? What are those tangible activities for you that you can do to help you recharge and face a reality that is different than the one we left behind? And that all said, it's okay to still feel exhausted or overwhelmed. It's normal. And it's also okay, even encouraged, to find joy in things. If there's something that you can do for a few moments that'll make you happy or take your mind off things, it's okay to take that time and feel happiness for a few minutes. You don't need to feel guilty about that. And it can be small things like appreciating the cup of coffee you're drinking, noticing the smell and the taste and savoring it. And also, Salzburg says, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's a tough thing to do, but it's so important to ask for that help if you need it. Practicing vulnerability is important, and so is making sure that you don't burn out. And remember that starting over doesn't mean failing. Similarly to the segment yesterday when I talked about how we accumulate new skills and strength after going through difficult situations, anytime we have to start over again is a chance to grow and a sign that we're open to change and flexibility, which is a positive thing. Now, if any of that sounds vaguely useful to you, a final thing Salzburg recommends is ritualizing reminders. So if one of those tips particularly stood out to you as something that might be helpful, come up with a phrase or a small practice that you can do over and over again whenever you feel like you might be getting a bit stressed out or anxious. 
We have all been through a huge change, and there are a lot of unknowns about what we're returning to, so it is absolutely normal for the transition into yet another new way of living to be a bit rocky, whether we can recognize that in ourselves at first or not. But there are tools that we can all use to get through it, and we will. How would you like to sleep inside a beehive? Okay, yeah, probably not. But if you did ever want to, a site called Horizontal Hive has posted DIY instructions on making your own beehive bed. Quoting Horizontal Hive, Do you still think that bees are for making honey? I thought so too until I built myself a bee bed. I call it Bed and Bees, or B&B, and it's a long horizontal hive where you're separated from the bees by thin planks and can bathe in their warmth and vibration and smells without any danger of being stung. It'll change your life forever once you experience how relaxing and soothing and healing it is. It surely changed ours. End quote. The bed itself looks kind of like a wooden tanning bed, at least when it's open. When it's closed, it looks like a giant, long birdhouse. The bees live in the bed part, buzzing away in horizontal hives beneath you, but separated from you by wood planks. So you won't ever actually encounter the bees, you're just trying to fall asleep while super close to them. Dr. Leo Sharashkin has meticulously detailed instructions on how to construct your own bee bed, complete with step-by-step photos. And this one step on constructing the planks that make up the bed part illustrates the proximity to bees rather effectively. Quote, If you lie down on the planks with your bare skin, the planks may stick to your body when it perspires, strongly enough to be lifted when you rise. This would release the bees into your chamber. So move your body sideways before rising to detach any planks. Alternatively, cover the planks with a sheet before your session. If the bee bed is to be used by children or visitors, you may want to nail down the planks for safety so they can't be picked up. This, of course, will make hive inspections more cumbersome. End quote. Let me repeat that. If you get sweaty and try to turn over, it will release bees into your chamber. Yeah, I mean, I know that bees don't attack unless provoked, so maybe it's fine, but I certainly wouldn't personally classify this as the relaxing and rejuvenating kind of slumber that Dr. Shirashkin promotes it as. Maybe for someone like him who is used to bees, but um, yeah, I think this is one experience that I will be passing on for now. Continuing on our seemingly ongoing coverage of how events that are usually played or performed for an audience are adapting as they're allowed to reopen but without spectators, on Monday, Barcelona's Gran Teatro de la Queo Opera House filled the seats for a string quartet performance with thousands of plants. 2,292 plants watched from all levels of the Opera House as the Usli Quartet performed Puccini's Chrysanthemy, which I'm positive I pronounced correctly. The performance itself was a celebration of Spain lifting the lockdown orders and was also viewable to humans via livestream. You can also watch a video of the performance and see photos of the plant audience at the link in the show notes. The plants were the work of conceptual artist Eugenio Ampudia, and the Opera House said in a statement that it, quote, welcomes and leads a highly symbolic act that defends the value of art, music, and nature as a letter of introduction to our return to activity, end quote. 
CNN also notes that the plants were all brought in from local nurseries and will now be donated to healthcare workers at the hospital clinic of Barcelona. That is all for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter at JackIsNotABird, where I sometimes share some of the things that don't quite make it into the show. And, of course, you're always welcome to tweet at me and suggest anything you think I should cover. Link in the show notes. But that is it for now. I hope you all have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.